Something to note, all myths have many versions and variations. For this episode, we've selected those we felt are the most dramatic and entertaining and supplemented them with additional research into Norse and Germanic traditions. Our myths may not always be the version you're familiar with, but we hope you'll enjoy them. But be warned, this episode features strong sexual content and frightening imagery. Listener discretion is advised, especially for listeners under 13. Grimer had his hands in his pockets, his arms close at his sides. He kept his head down as he walked, only looking up when he heard a strange sound in the woods. He was not young or old. His brown hair fell in long strands down either side of his face, mingling with his rough, unkempt beard. The right half of his face was blackened and scarred. A gaping hole existed where his right eye had once been. He wore a leather eye patch over it. His remaining eye was gray and sad, darting about the forest nervously. He didn't want to be here, but he knew the witch that lived in this forest was the only one that could help him. Help him to find... to find... He stopped. He thought he could hear footsteps that were not his own. He jumped and turned. There, at the end of the forest path, bathed in moonlight, was a figure. It was a large man, most of his features indistinguishable in the dark. All he could see was a pale face illuminated by the moon. It appeared to be a glowing white skull. Grimer let out an involuntary yelp before turning around and taking off running down the path. He ran and ran. His legs ached and his lungs burned, but he didn't dare stop or look behind him. Finally, he arrived at the cottage. Hello, it's me, Grimer. We have an appointment. Please, let me in. There's, I I think there's someone after me. Huh? There's no one out in these woods, silly boy. Calm yourself. Come inside. Grimer was greeted by a woman roughly his age. She had beautiful eyes and long auburn hair done up in an elaborate bun atop her head. Her locks were decorated with feathers, jewels, and even the tiny skulls of animals. Her name was Mardul. She was a vulva, a witch, one who could practice the old magics and help him achieve his goal. As he entered her cottage, he saw that it was filled with all sorts of strange objects. There were animals in cages, stacks of old scrolls, candles of all shapes, sizes, and colors, and on the walls, strange runes the size of a tree, glowing black and gold. He stared at these. Warding spells. We're quite safe. (laughs) Come, come. We really don't have much time. The ritual takes days. Days? This is not some simple prayer. You're not asking for a boon. You want me to summon Freya herself? Well, it's not just on me. You must be ready too, killer. You must be strong. You must have pure intention. What is it you wish to ask of the goddess? As Grimer's anxiety faded, he tried to regain some of his usual swagger. 
He wanted to prove that he was not some weak-willed coward. <laughs> you women and your Sather magic. It gives you a little bit of power over men so you milk it for all it's worth. I will pay you handsomely to perform the ritual. That is all you need to know. He removed a large bag of gold from beneath his jacket, setting it down on a nearby table. You're not in the city anymore, fool. I am Freya's representative on Midgard. Show me the proper respect or she will smite you when she arrives. Ooh, I'm so afraid. Mardul reached up and plucked a hair from his head. Ow! Since you will not tell me of your goals, I will run this thread through my loom to test your purity. Hmm, I see uncertainty. Do you truly have honorable intentions? If, uh, of course. What could I seek that would be dishonorable? Freya is not some vengeful spirit to be sicked on your enemies like a dog. If she is to grant your request, it will be because it will further her domain on Earth, further the qualities of wealth, ecstasy, fertility, and magic, not revenge or greed. Woman, I have had just about enough of your sideways accusations. My reasons are my own. I am willing to take the chance. Begin the ritual, now. She eyed the bag of gold on the table. He could see in her face that it called to her. Gold rules the minds of all. Very well, Gramer the Mysterious. Let us begin. Welcome to Mythology, a Spotify original from Parcast. Every Tuesday, we present dramatic stories from ancient mythology and explore their origins. I'm your host and narrator, Vanessa Richardson. You can find all episodes of Mythology and all other Spotify originals from Parcast for free on Spotify. This October, join us for Mythology Underworlds, where we explore four stories of the afterlife through classic myths. Each week, we'll see what the ancient Greeks, Norse, and Egyptians believed happened after you passed on. These underworlds are a relief, but also terrifying in their own right. Today, we're experiencing the fears of the ancient Vikings as we head to Hell, one of their many afterlife realms. That's Hell with only one L, not that it makes a difference in pronunciation. The original sources for Viking folklore don't actually tell us much about this world, but instead make indirect references to it. For example, saying that Baldur went to Hell after he was slain by Hod. Like a lot of Norse mythology, we only know what we know from scattered and contradictory stories. The 13th century prose and poetic Eddas are our source for the majority of Norse mythology. Snorri Sturluson, author of the Prose Edda, wrote that the Vikings believed the Valiant went to Odin's palace of Valhalla, while those who died of disease or old age went to hell. And yet modern historians believe he was mistaken and possibly influenced by Christianity, which by this time was already replacing the pagan religions. Various sources suggest that there was no clear system determining who went to hell, Valhalla, or elsewhere. One thing the Vikings did believe was that your essence was made up of four parts. Your hammer, more or less your body, 
your huger, somewhat similar to the modern conception of a soul, a filgia, a spirit animal that reflected your character, and your haminya, a sort of ancestral spirit that was passed down from generation to generation. Death meant that these elements were scattered throughout the cosmos, that you no longer quite existed as you once had. Last week, we discussed how the ancient Egyptians sought to preserve the various aspects of the soul, but the ancient Germanic peoples didn't necessarily feel that this was possible after death. If your huger floated down to hell, who's to say what would become of it? Historians have found little to no evidence that Hell, the goddess, was even worshipped as such. She too may have been created as the result of Christian influence, a sort of female Satan that historians like Snorri Sturluson felt the realm of Hell lacked. So exactly what single L Hell looked like and what became of the souls trapped there is up to our interpretation. Coming up, Grimer learns that he should have listened to Mardul's warnings. It feels like we're all being told to go on this diet, take that supplement. Ozempic will give you depression, but you know what'll cure that? Weed. Or you could try to balance your hormones. At Science Versus, we're like... What the f*** is going on? Forget the crap online and listen to Science Versus. Just the facts. Oh, and a bunch of stupid jokes. What is a ghost's favorite fruit? Booberries. That's Science VS. New season out on Spotify soon. Greamer was anxious to see what the ritual entailed. He knew these things could get strange, even violent, but he would do anything to summon Freya. The witch Mardul walked through her cottage. She removed a chicken from one of the animal cages, holding it gently in her arms. Then she wrapped a hand around its neck and twisted. Grimer watched in horror as she wrung the head clean off, sending blood dripping onto the floor. Have a care! Every creature belongs to Odin. One should not slaughter them willy-nilly for some ritual. I find it concerning that you show more deference to chickens than you do to women. I like animals, especially birds. Mardul held the dripping corpse up to his face. Drink. What? Raw? Drink. He gulped. He had already come this far. He awkwardly positioned his mouth beneath the dripping neck, letting the blood pour down his throat. He gagged. <coughs> Mardul brought her bloody hand up, drawing a fertility symbol on his forehead. Good. Now, take my hands. Goddess, Freya, great seer, golden lady, she who holds the souls of mortal men in her grasp. Look into the heart of this man. His intention is pure. His will is strong. Grant him your boon that he might find success in your name. Suddenly, she reached over, beginning to undo Grimer's belt. Hey, what are you- Calm yourself. She is the goddess of desire and ecstasy. We must attract her to us. 
Mardal laid Grimer down on a pile of furs. She finished undressing him and climbed on top of his body. She kissed his blood-covered mouth, getting some of the blood on her own lips, but she didn't seem to mind. Grimer smirked to himself. Minutes ago, the witch had shown him nothing but disrespect. Now she wished to make love. Typical. Not that he minded. Her body was exquisite. This ritual was far more pleasant than he expected. As their rhythm intensified, he thought he could hear the house tearing itself apart. The golden runes on the walls seemed to glow even brighter. The caged animals let out frightful noises. Then the whole house shook. Ice crept up the walls and a wretched laughing filled the room. All went black as the runes faded and the candles blew out. <laughs> you fool! I should have known you were lying! What? I didn't lie. I want to find someone, someone important to me. But for what reason? There is hate in your heart. You aim to harm this person. Not, no, I, well, not harm, just... Yeah, say no more, idiot. Your impurity has attracted not the golden lady, but a different lady altogether. And she's reduced you to what you are, your spare parts. Spare parts? What are you... It was now that Grimer looked down for the first time. He was no longer himself. He was translucent, shimmering, a ghost. What is happening to me? Hell has separated you. You are no longer Grimer, but Grimer's Hooger, your innermost self, weak and ephemeral. Where is my body? Most likely back on the surface. The surface? Where are we? We are in hell. Hell? How can that be? We are still in your cabin. Which has become unmoored from our world, from Midgard. We are inside her now, at her whims. She will have your Filgia and Hamingia somewhere as well. This can't be happening. I can't be dead. I just want... I, I want to change things, to right a wrong. You're not dead, nor am I. Hell means to punish you. Your selfish desires are an illusion. You are not an individual, but Hooger and Hammer, Filgia and Hamingia. No, no, I am me. I am Grimer. That witch cannot do this to me. I will... I will collect these other parts and return to my body. You can try. There is but one way forward for both of us. If I do not return to the surface with you by sunrise, then my life too will be forfeit. Both of us? What does Hell want with you? I may have once promised my own Hooger to her in exchange for the eternal damnation of a man who wronged me. <laughs> and you judged me for my impure intentions. We are not so different. We could not be more different. Whatever you say, witch. Let's just get this over with. He moved to the door, wrapping his ghostly hand around the handle. Are you sure you're ready? Of course. 
Greemer lied. In truth, he was terrified of what horrors might await him. He felt squeamish, like he could scream. His body was gone, scattered about. He was the plaything of a goddess. But he had no choice. He had to open the door. It was impossible to see beyond Mardal's candle. He stared out into darkness, squinting to try and make something out in the pitch black. Cold air blew into the cabin. He continued to squint, growing fearful. His eyes grew wide, and then he saw something. Next, Greemer and Mardull enter hell. Since the beginning of time, people have wanted to believe in an afterlife. Hi listeners, I'm Shelby Scott. In Mediums, a new Spotify original from Parcast, I take a closer look at the mortal lives of spiritualists who claim to communicate with the dead and the scientists who tried to debunk them. This eight-episode series looks at paranormal events proven to be hoaxes and those which have mystified even the world's greatest skeptics. Mixing history, mystery, and social psychology, Mediums asks how these self-proclaimed psychics pulled off the illusion of interacting with the dead, even under a microscope of criticism. Were they all simply peddling parlor tricks, or was there something truly paranormal going on? Break out your Ouija board, dust off your crystal ball, or light some candles, because Parcast is ready to reveal what's really known about the unknown. Follow the Spotify original from Parcast, Mediums. Summon new episodes every Wednesday, free and only on Spotify. Now back to the story. Dreamer awoke on a forest floor. He saw a purple sky crisscrossed by jagged metal branches. He had never seen anything like it. He and Mardal were in a forest of iron. The leaves stood totally still, looking sharp and threatening. What happened? A man is stalking us. His face was horrible, like a skull. Greemer's mind filled with fear as he remembered the strange figure he had seen on the road leading to Mardull's house. I told you I was followed. Where is he? I, I don't know. He attacked you as soon as you opened the door. While he was distracted with you, I, I poured burning oil down his back, then dragged you into the forest to hide. We should get out of here. And where would you have us go, killer? You're the witch. Don't you know where we are? If my knowledge does not fail me, I believe we are in the Ironwood. What fantastic insight. Which means that we are near the Hellgate. Does it lead back to the surface? It does. Then let's go. That demon could pop out from behind any of these trees. Very well. This way. She grabbed him by the hand and began to lead him through the iron trees. They tried to move quickly, but their pace was slowed as they worked to avoid cutting themselves on the razor-sharp leaves. 
the forest was dead quiet. With each step, Greemer was sure his attacker would find them. His mind and heart raced as he tried to keep moving with Mardal, tried to avoid the leaves, and listened for any sign of their pursuer. A naked, deathly pale figure leapt out from behind the trees. It brought its long, pale arms down onto Greemer's head, banging its fist against his skull. He tried to extricate himself, but the fists and piercing screams were too intense. He had to fight back. Without thinking, he pushed his hand up into the figure's skull face. His fingers dug into its empty black eye sockets. He pulled, beginning to tear the skull apart. Its skull face came off with a sickening squelch. But as it turned out, this was not its face at all, but a mask. Even stranger, its face resembled Greemer's, only older. The scars, even the same missing eye. It stopped attacking then, eye staring into his. Greemer took this as an opportunity. He lunged forward and began strangling the creature. Greemer, stop! <sighs> Why should I? That creature, I think it's your filia, y you're familiar. Greemer looked from Mardul to the attacker. He released his grip. My familiar? I thought they were supposed to be animals. A familiar is a reflection of its owner. It can take any form. However, it is rare for one to so closely resemble you. This only happens to very special individuals. Who are you? I... I do not know. Wait... Why can't I remember who I am? It is possible that the process of being split into your different parts has led you to lose your memories. As I said, the self is an illusion. Curse your illusions! If you're right, this thing is the first missing piece. What do I do with it? How do I get it to return to me? We must bring him with us to the surface. You mean we have to let it follow us around? How do we know it won't attack again? Mardal walked over to the skull mask that was on the ground. She picked it up, turning it over in her hand. What a curious thing. At her touch, the mask began to dissolve, disappearing in a cloud of ash. A familiar was under a spell. Removing the mask freed it. Isn't that right, familiar? <laughs> See? The familiar trotted over to Greemer, wrapping him in a hug. Yeah, what's it doing? Oh, it smells terrible. It's only trying to show affection. Familiars are simple creatures, though I've never seen one so cognizant. Whoever you are, Greemer, you're a strange one indeed. Come, let us continue on our way. The sun will not wait for us. They passed over the ironwood and onto the massive golden bridge over the river Sleed. Various other souls traveled back and forth. As Greemer walked along, he glanced over the side, only to notice that the river was not made of water at all. What is that down there? It's like a sea of metal worms. 
Those are not worms. They're men, miles beneath us. Soldiers, fighting with their axes and swords until Ragnarok. Somehow unworthy of Odin or Freya's grace. And so they toil here, aimlessly trying to prove their courage. Grimer looked away from the river. He felt that he had been here before. That word you used, Ragnarok, what does it mean? Do not trouble yourself over it. Let us get across the river. We've collected your filia, but we still need to find your hamingya, your ancestral spirit, that which guides your luck for good or ill. No, forget it. I don't believe in such things. I am my own person. I am here talking to you now. This creature that follows us is not my familiar. I have never even seen it before tonight. And I have no need of luck or an ancestral spirit. Let's head right for the surface and my body. If we do not recover your Hamingya, then when we return to your body on the surface, your soul will not re-enter. We need all three components, your soul, your familiar, and your Hamingya to reconstitute you as a person. Huh, I thought you said personhood was an illusion. Aye, it is. I merely seek to help you maintain that illusion for the remainder of your natural life. You care what happens to me? I care what happens to me. As I said, our fates are intertwined. I confess, I am somewhat impressed. You pursue your own goals with a singular selfish purpose. It is quite manly. Freya shows us that women serve just as much purpose as men, that we need not subsume our desires to theirs. When a man hurt me, I made sure to hurt him twice as much. Now, I wish only to spend the rest of my days in service to the Golden Lady. As penance? <laughs> Do not assume I'm motivated only in response to men and my interactions with them. I serve Freya because it pleases me. She is light and joy and freedom. It does sound nice. I wish I could be free from destiny, from my own fears. Sometimes I feel as if the weight of the world is on my shoulders. You do not deserve peace for landing us here. But should we make it to the surface? I hope you find it. The familiar, previously infatuated by the souls below, decided to join their conversation. Mardal's usually stoic face was betrayed by a slight smile, which Grimer couldn't help but return. The moment was cut short. All turned at the sound of something large arriving over the side of the bridge. A long, spindly hand slammed onto the stones in front of them. The arm was green and slimy, thin like a tree branch with formless fingers. The rest of the monster hoisted itself up onto the bridge. Its body was just as thin and slimy, save for its head, which was bulbous and round, with glowing red eyes and small slits for its nose and mouth. It opened its tiny mouth hole, letting out a truly bizarre wail. Across the way, dozens more of the giant humanoids arrived on the bridge. They grabbed up souls in their reach, ripping them limb from limb. 
The three took off sprinting down the bridge. They weaved between the creature's spindly legs, shoving other souls into the way of their grabbing hands. Greemer winced as he saw one soul parted from his manhood. The blood splattered his face. They made it to the other side of the bridge. Before them loomed a towering mountain, and at its base, a jagged, twisted cave entrance. It is the cave of Nipa. We dare not enter. It is full of even worse horrors. We have no choice. Look! He pointed behind them. The creatures were done feeding on the souls on the bridge and were now thundering toward them. Greemer grabbed Mardul by the hand and pulled her inside. The familiar hobbled along behind. The cave was an infinite, winding series of dark passageways, full of confusing and horrible things. Some chambers showed the charred skeletons of those whose rituals had failed. One somber room showed the funeral of a great king. His boat was placed atop a funeral pyre. Chickens, cows, and horses were slaughtered and added to the monument. Then a young girl was dragged forward. She was strangled with a rope. As she struggled for air, a vulva, not so different from Mardul, rushed forward and stabbed her in the heart. The girl was then added to the fire. Other chambers had people still living, though they were crying or bleeding. Sometimes they attacked each other. Other times they made love. Sometimes they were doing both. When the trio finally reached an empty cavern, they paused to catch their breath. Do you think we're safe? We will not be safe until we have left this realm of horrors. For who? Greemer stopped to take in his surroundings. The cavern was complex, with various walkways and entryways, but his attention was drawn to the center, toward a gray, crumbling well. Whispers emanated from within. All were transfixed by the sound coming from the well. The familiar, weakest in constitution, stumbled forward, its hand reaching for the inky blackness below. Suddenly, Mardul was awoken from her trance. No! Stop! She ran forward, shoving the familiar away from the well. But as she did so, she slipped. She tumbled over the side of the well, falling into its inky depths. The voices abruptly stopped. Greemer felt awake again, only to realize what had just happened. Mardol! <laughs> Demon, show yourself! Release us from this prison! Return Mardol! But the cavern fell silent. Hell would not let him off so easily. Stupid beast! She died trying to save you! <laughs> Greemer whipped his head around. 
He thought he heard a child running down one of the cavern's many corridors. A small shadow danced against the wall before him. Not thinking, he raced in that direction. He was desperate to find anyone else among the living. He would not be left alone with his familiar. He raced down the tunnel, the familiar trying to keep up behind him. They went down, down, further into hell and farther away from the surface world. Finally, they came to a massive cavern, bigger than any they'd seen since entering the caves. There, at the center, illuminated by a pinprick of light, was a boy. As the boy turned his head, Grimer's eyes went wide with shock. Once again, it was a familiar face. The boy was him. Coming up, Grimer must confront his demons. Now, back to the story. Grimer had been lured into one of the many chambers of hell by a strange spectral boy. As soon as he looked into the boy's eyes, he realized that the boy was him. Suddenly, he was transported back in time. He watched as his younger self, still a boy, conversed with his long-dead father. He found himself speaking the words that the young boy spoke. Father, this can't be all there is. My brothers and I, we wish to see more, to do more. As far as you are concerned, boy, I am the whole world. You will stay here and do as you are told. Mother does not agree. She says we should go seek our own fortune, that we are destined for more than this. There is nothing more than this. There is only the ice. Then we will change things, make a whole new world. If you do, then you will have killed me, for I will no longer be in your hearts, and thus cease to exist. You're just saying that we will always be able to look to the horizon and see you. But I will no longer be your father. I will be like so many mountains, wondrous to behold, but ultimately just a part of the scenery. Then become scenery, old man. Grimer watched as he fell upon his father, strangling the life from him. His father did not resist, but sat impassive, simply accepting that this was the way of things. This all seemed familiar and yet foreign. Grimer recognized his father, recognized the memory, but still did not know who he was. Their words to one another had been so strange. What was all that about ice and mountains? A dark feeling welled up inside of him. He was Grimer, the man, but also the boy. His hands wrapped around his father's throat. He squeezed and squeezed, but his father just continued to stare blankly. Then, oddly, his father's mouth opened. His teeth were like solid granite tombstones. They shook violently as his father laughed and laughed and laughed. (laughs) Stop it! Stop it! Just die! Die! (laughs) 
Grimer's anger turned to fear as his father transformed before him. His wicked grin expanded. The teeth became truly massive. Grimer felt something sticky in his hands. He looked down to see that he was no longer holding his father's throat, but rather each hand was gripped around an enormous, slobbery canine tooth. He jumped back and looking up, beheld the giant maw of a demonic looking dog. Its muzzle was as big as a carriage, its eyes glowing icy white. It hovered above him, ready to swallow him whole. Grimer swore to himself, He'd been such a fool to seek out the ritual. He didn't listen to Mardul, and now they would both die. But then, suddenly, he heard something from behind. It was the familiar, his strange, ghostly white elderly companion. The creature jumped onto the monster's snout and beat on it with furious strength. Soon the dog was reeling, backing away into the recesses of the cave. It shook its muzzle violently, sending the familiar falling back down onto the ground next to Grimer. (laughs) Grimer was worried the monster would come after him once more, but instead it continued to back away until finally they were alone in the cavern. He rose to his feet. I guess you're not so useless after all. His attention was drawn back to the circle of light at the center of the cavern. There, his younger self still stood, but this time he held a hand out to Grimer. I understand now. You are my Haminya, my ancestral spirit. Mardol was right. He took the boy's hand. Instantly, his shimmering form melted and filled Grimer. His translucent body glowed golden for a moment before returning to its pale hue. Grimer turned to see that the familiar was now holding out its hand. Grimer responded, grasping the creature's hand. The familiar smiled as he too dissolved into pure light, combining with Grimer to create a full spirit. He could feel it. He was ready to return to the surface. He felt a pang of guilt at leaving Mardul behind. Perhaps he could still go looking for her, but that would be a fool's errand. This was hell. She could be anywhere, and he only had so much time before the sun came up. Just thinking this caused his soul to begin to rise. He was floating upward through miles of rock and the horrors within. He was rising to the surface. He rose and rose until, finally, he was there, back on the forest road. He saw his cloaked body and raced toward it, but before he could reach the spot, he heard something behind him. (laughs) He turned to see a woman emerging from the trees. Mardol? 
She appeared impossibly tall and thin, like the creatures from the bridge, not like Mardul at all. As the figure finally stepped into the moonlight, Grimer was momentarily relieved. She looked fair and kind. She had pink skin, blue eyes, and silver hair. But then she turned her head. Half of the woman's body was disgusting, a dead, rotten husk of green skin and crawling worms, a black eye socket, and limp strands of hair. As she walked forward, she limped, the live half of her body dragging the dead half. What? Who? Odin. Odin. Who are you? Why do you call me that? (laughs) You've got all your parts back now. Think for a moment. (laughs) I know you remember. Grimer was stopped in his tracks. His eyes widened as it all came rushing back. His father bore. He killed him and the giant Emir, creating the Earth. He fought the Vanir, trained with Kvasir, then married... married... Freya, she was the one who he'd been looking for all along. Freya, where is Freya, you witch? The monstrous gave him a mocking shrug. (laughs) Who knows? You said you were keeping her here. (laughs) I say a lot of things. I am my father's daughter. (laughs) Hell. Yes, I am hell. Queen of the Underworld, in my realm, you must speak my full title, Allfather. Allfather? Yes, that was one of my names, one of many... I am Odin. (laughs) I always leave you clues, but you never quite get it until the end, Grimer. You used to have the mortals call you that. They never knew it meant mask in the ancient language. (laughs) Very clever. Hiding your deception in plain sight. I thought I'd offer you the same courtesy. Thought the mask on the familiar would give it away, surely. No such luck. Not even little Mardol could get you to see the truth. Mardol, where is she? Who, this Mardol? The goddess raised her hand, conjuring the spitting image of Mardul out of the nighttime fog. Release her! Oh, the memories do come back slowly, don't they? (laughs) There is no one to release, uncle. She was a figment. Another one of my jokes on you. (laughs) A wave of my hand and... The figure of Mardul transformed, her witch's robes replaced with resplendent golden ones, her hair freed of feathers and animal skeletons, and filled with flowers. Here's your Mardul, or as close as I can conjure anyways. That name was a clue too, though you could have never guessed it. It means sea brightener. It's what the mortals call your wife, Freya when she comes to rescue their souls from a death on the ocean. What? The mortals? (laughs) Yes. Well, you've been looking for your wife. She's been looking for you. She gets around. 
take me to her. Honor our deal. I remember now. When I arrived here, I told you I'd talk to the gods about freeing you. But only if you showed me the way to Freya. You fool. But I like it here. Before the Aesir sent me to hell, it was all shadows and dragons. I made it interesting. I command you. You command nothing. You came here, uncle, seeking my help. Imagine the audacity. Your kind imprisons me and my siblings, and then you ask for my aid. You gave me this realm. I am this realm. And here, I judge all. I burn away the impurity. I make you better. An uncle, when it comes to you, the oldest being in existence, there is a lot to burn away. No! Cease this at once! You must stop! Odin screamed as Hel waved her hand, reuniting him with his body. It was what he had thought he wanted, but as soon as she restored him, he forgot his entire adventure. The sun passed overhead, and once again, it was night. He rose to his feet, feeling the chill of the wind. He stuck his hands into his pockets. He had to find the witch. She would help him, help him perform the ritual. He continued down the forest path. Though we don't know much about Norse Hel or the goddess of the same name, there's a plethora of knowledge surrounding a different Norse god, Odin the Allfather. He's one of the most fascinating figures in any mythology. He was the king of the gods, the creator of the universe. And yet the ancient Germanic peoples who worshipped him had a very conflicted view. On the one hand, he was everything we just mentioned. He was also the god of wisdom, as we've explored in past episodes. But he was also the god of betrayal. Many stories describe him manipulating mortals into killing themselves or each other. We saw that in Odin's quest for wisdom, in the story where he leads the bandits to fall on their own swords. But he did much, much worse, including trapping his own shield brother, Loki, beneath the earth, condemning him to be tortured with poison. Meanwhile, Loki's children, the world serpent Jormungand, the wolf Fenrir, and the goddess of death, Hel, were all imprisoned in their own various ways. While there's no story saying that Odin traveled to Hel, there's also nothing in the sources to prevent it. We know Freya, likely the same goddess as Odin's wife, Frigg, traveled the cosmos looking for him, so perhaps he did the same. And if he traveled to Hel, then there would be one goddess there waiting to offer the same judgment that she offered so many mortals. But Hell herself will remain one of history's eternal mysteries, though this is perhaps appropriate for a goddess whose name literally means hidden. She is shrouded in darkness, personified in her half-dead face. Lost to the passage of time, she languishes in the black pits of Hell, watching, waiting for mortals to 
to join her. Thanks again for tuning in to Mythology. Join me in a week as we continue our tour of the underworlds. Next Tuesday, we'll begin a two-part episode on the most famous underworld of all, the one belonging to Hades himself. You can find more episodes of Mythology and all other Spotify originals from Parcast for free on Spotify. We'll be back next week with another epic story. Mythology is a Spotify original from Parcast. Executive producers include Max and Ron Cutler. Sound design by Brian Golub, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Trent Williamson, Carly Madden, and Freddie Beckley. This episode of Mythology was written by Greg Castro, with writing assistance by Robert Teamstra and Andrew Kelleher, fact-checking by Bennett Logan, and research by Adriana Gomez. The amazing cast of voice actors includes Melissa Medina, Cameron Nikod, and Ellie Schiff. I'm Vanessa Richardson. Hi, I'm Shelby Scott, host of Mediums, a new Spotify original from Parcast. You can join me Wednesdays as I dive into the world of spiritualism and the women that defined it. We'll explore everything from obvious con artists to 150-year-old mysteries. It'll be a fascinating journey, so be sure to follow my new podcast, Mediums, free and only on Spotify.